Welcome to Sheikhing It Up with Sheikh Fayaz, your daily dose of spirituality this Ramadan. A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan ar-rajim, bismillah ar-rahman ar-rahim, wa bihi nasta'in, wa sallillahumma ala muhammadin wa ali muhammad. ووفقني لطاءتي من سددني ومطابأتي من أرشدني اللهم صل على محمد وآله وسددني لأن أعرض من غشني بالنص وأجزي من هجرني بالبر وأثيب من حرمني بالبدل. We live in an environment where so many of our interactions are about proving other people wrong. Debate getting into really heated conversations on just about any and every subject is just a part of the nature of the culture in which we live. And in reality, that this sort of culture and these sorts of conversations are incredibly problematic and are detrimental to the human heart and to the human soul. For a believer in Islamic law, even when they are in the state of ahram, in that state of utter and absolute obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, prior toward performing your religious duties in the holy city of Mecca, in that sacred state, we are told to not get into debate or get into arguments with others, particularly when it comes to matters of our own pride or dignity. We shouldn't tell someone that I'm better than you because I come from this part of the world or because I speak this language, because my skin is of this color, and that that, of course, can invalidate that sacred state that we are in. During the holy month of Ramadan, we are also in a sacred state, in a state of fasting, in a state of obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, creating the necessary protections between us and all of those satanic tendencies that our soul is so conducive to. Which is why when we go toward these lines of Imam Ali ibn Hussein Zain al-Abideen alayhi salam, we ask God to give us that same strength. Because if we're able to contain our tongues, our interactions while in the state of Ahram or while we are fasting during the holy month of Ramadan, then why is it so difficult to do so otherwise? If I can find success in my behavior and my relationship with the Lord of the worlds one day, then I can undoubtedly do it for 30 days. And if I can do it appropriately for 30 days, then why couldn't I do it for the remainder of the year? That's a question for me before anyone else. But nonetheless, in these nights and in these days of reflection and contemplation, it's important to elevate our state toward that relationship of true obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And what God wants from us is for us to be guided toward that right path. We recite dozens of times throughout the day, mustaqim. O Allah, guide us toward that path, that path of success, that path of beauty, that path of righteousness. For when we are in a state of obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there is nothing that is more pleasurable. If you were to ask anyone on a regular day outside of the month of Ramadan, void of intention, why they are struggling throughout the course of that day when they haven't eaten or drank any coffee that morning, they would immediately tell you, because I'm hungry, starving, I have a headache, I don't feel so great, And I really need to get something to eat. But for whatever reason, during the month of Ramadan, just because we set that attention aright, just because we have created that environment that is conducive to our obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, 
not only does it become manageable, but it becomes pleasurable. And I'm not saying that fasting is easy. No, not at all. I'm not saying that the abstinence from all of the things that we are told to abstain from during the course of these nights and days is a simple process that all of a sudden, uh, you know, overnight is super easy and we feel great at the end of the day. No, but it becomes manageable in the idea that I consistently know what it is that I'm doing. One small, one small act of disobedience. If I went into the bathroom and I took a sip of water, if I took one bite of my children's food and no one was there to see it, who would feel the brunt of the guilt? I would, because I performed an act of disobedience and transgression to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The minute that I set that intention and I have that firm devotion toward God during the process of, I know what it is that I'm working toward. And that's why when we break our fast, we enter into that sort of emotion of incredible pleasure as the hadith from the Prophet or from one of the Imams of Ahlul Bayt tell us that for the fasting person, they have two joys. The first one is when they break their fast. Everyone loves that first sip of water or that date that they bite into or whatever it is that we're indulging in that moment. And the second moment of enjoyment is when they meet their Lord because of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's grace, His mercy, His compassion that He's going to bestow upon us at that moment when we transition from this world to the next due to that obedience and focus and subservience that we have. And that's why we do it again the next day. And that's why we do it on days that are recommended throughout the year as well. Not because it's easy, but because we know that that conviction that we gain and that faith that our heart embraces during the course of the holy month of Ramadan or during the course of obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is like none other. I sat with a group of believers from across the world in an online program a few days back. And I asked them, what is the most pleasurable moment that you experienced during the course of your life? And dozens of responses came in telling me that the most pleasurable moment was when my eyes first glanced at the Holy Kaaba, when I prayed Fajr prayers next to the grave of Rasulullah Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Of course, others said other things, like the birth of my child, when I graduated college, when I got my first car. But if you take all of those most pleasurable and enjoyable moments, the physical, the financial benefit that we attain, and we compare them to the first moment that your eyes set glance at the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, are they comparable for those of you who have experienced it? The first time that you sat next to the grave of the messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That prayer or act of worship that we performed in the darkness of night on Layal al-Qadr while the rest of the world was sleeping. Those moments, you don't get them back. And they are that which compel us and push us forth. Which is why after the month of Ramadan, so many people, they fall off. And they have you know, a whole host of Ramadan withdrawals, so to say. Why? Because they experienced something that was metaphysical. They experienced something that touched their heart and soul in an incredibly unique way. We're seeking guidance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Lord of the worlds is known as Al-Hadi, Al-Muhtadi. That He is the one who guides and we are the ones who are meant to be guided. And in order for us to truly reach that Sarat Al-Mustaqim that we are seeking, Imam Zain Al-Abideen alayhi salam, he asks Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us that guidance 
and to grant us that success by also being receptive to those around us. Because akhlaq and etiquette and character is so vital in terms of how we engage others around us as we have been speaking to over the last several leaves. The Imam alayhi salatu wasalam, he states in these lines, he states, وَوَفِّقْنِي لِطَاعَتِي مَنْ سَدَّدَنِي He says, Oh Allah, give me the divine support such that I'm able to obey the one who points me to the right direction. This could mean various different things, but amongst them, we could be asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be of those who are in obedience toward the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam or the Holy Qur'an, who points us to the right path better than the Messenger of God sallallahu alayhi wa ala, or his book, the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So on one level, we could be asking God in this line to grant us the success to obey him, meaning to obey the Prophet alayhi salatu But at the same time, we see guidance all around us. We go to the mosque, we go to an Islamic center, we're in the company of scholars, we're in the company of elders, those who have more experience than us. We have teachers, we have individuals who want us to do the right thing. But again, in the culture that we live in, we always want to respond and tell them well, why exactly we're right and they're wrong. Or whenever someone grants us advice or some sort of wisdom, we get very defensive. And again, it's important for us to shatter that idol of the heart that tells us that I and me is the only one who has wisdom. That's a very Fir'aunic sort of tendency that even when Musa and Harun, they go to Fir'aun and they say, listen to us, we're telling you in a gentle, beautiful manner that this is the Lord of the worlds. Why do you disobey him? At the end of the day, he would respond vigorously, angrily, resistingly, that there's no way that I can listen to Moses who was raised in my home. That sense of pride had overtaken him, not allowing for him to be receptive to truth. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this line, to give us the ability to truly be in a state of obedience to those who grant us wisdoms and to give us the path to success. And oh Allah, I'm asking you, to give me the ability to follow the one who guides me to the right, to the right path of rushd. We're asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to put us in positions to be successful. We can be in an environment, especially today, where we are surrounded by so much information. And with that information comes misconception. With that misconception comes doubt. And with doubt comes rejection. And with, with rejection comes a lack of faith. But on the flip side, if we surround ourselves with those who speak to matters of morality and etiquette and beauty, we also can be compelled toward following in that path as well. So when we recite these lines, we're seeking from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to put us in positions where we can be successful in this dunya such that we are successful in the akhirah. To be in an environment where we surround ourselves with friends, family members, a community that compels us to remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala often and early. And to give us that strength to not push back and to admit when we're wrong and to say, okay, I can take this advice because it's going to be beneficial 
for my life, even though at this moment I really don't want to listen to it. It's hard. It's difficult. But that's why we seek in dua and supplication to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us the ability to be receptive toward that which is around us. Many people, they recite the whole Qur'an. They read the words of the Prophet and his family, peace and blessings be upon them. And they say, are you kidding me? This guy who lived in the 6th century is giving this advice. They have no idea what it means to live in this world. No, they do. They undoubtedly do. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sent the whole Qur'an as a book of guidance from the very first day until the very last. And his Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa and the Imams of Ahlul Bayt, peace and blessings be upon them as well, they offer us real-time knowledge. And that if we sit, and if we read, and if we contemplate, and if we walk their path, undoubtedly we will embrace that feeling of guidance in that same way that we glance at the Holy Kaaba, or we pray next to the grave of the Messenger of God, sallallahu alayhi wa or we pray in the darkness of night, in those eaves of Ramadan, that feeling that we're so overwhelmed by through obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we feel that same strength, we feel that same conviction, and we feel that same light of faith. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us tawfiq during the course of these sacred nights of the holy month of Ramadan. Walhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. Wasallallahu ala Muhammadin wa alihi al-tahirin. For more spiritual content year-round, follow Fayaz Jafar on social media.